0: Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging, and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. Tony Hackett is my name and I'm your host. In each episode, we speak with people involved with the startup ecosystem. Colab Pantry is Victoria's first and largest digital restaurant retail partner. And in this episode, I'm joined by Colab Pantry co-founder Danny LeBon, who is an entrepreneur with a passion for community, food and innovation. It was great to get behind the scenes and hear about the way the Colab Pantry team go about partnering with both sides of their supply chain. And I especially enjoyed exploring the challenges they have faced and overcome. And Danny was very generous in sharing insights and experiences, in particular her reflections on the learning culture within their organisation. So let's get to it and meet Danny.
1: My background is in uh, design and marketing, so studied design and marketing, went back and also studied a bit of photography, which was a bit of a hobby of mine. So in the creative area and then went overseas and studied overseas as well. And then came back and worked for a few different companies. So some larger companies like Mecca and then some smaller companies in like agency side and then also in-house. And then I started my own Little design practice, freelancing and had over 300 clients with that, which was really great, both locally and globally. And then at the middle of last year, really, so worked in hospitality and with hospitality amongst that and have always been very passionate about food. And then in the middle of last year, one of my co-founders and I were really trying to figure out a way that we can help hospitality through COVID initially and then started seeing a lot of these restaurants produce these retail products And then we spoke to another friend of mine who I'd worked with previously, who's a software engineer. And between the three of us and all of our skills, we sort of pulled this thing together, CoLab. What was really interesting with that was just seeing this gap in the market that we didn't see before and that real gap between those larger sort of supermarket chains and then those local producers that people know and love and being able to fill that gap between them and create access for customers. And that convenience as well between the two so yeah we're really excited about it but that's I guess a bit of background about me.
0: That's wonderful I'd like to just unpick a little bit of what you just said because you said it in a very matter-of-fact way You got together with a couple of friends and decided to have a look at the market and try and understand some things could you maybe share what it felt at the start so the excitement and then maybe some a couple of surprises both positive and negative and how you worked through those.
1: Yeah definitely so I think at the start, it was, the all three of us are very um, passion driven. So as soon as we start working on something and are passionate about it, we're kind of knees deep in it before we know it. And yeah, just can't get enough of creating something. We're all perfectionists as well. So we initially, the conversation was between myself and my one of, my business partners, Tash, and we were kind of brainstorming on what we can do. Can we do events with hospitality? Can we do products and just trying to get that community and that access? And then we started developing the idea and just kept talking about it really and said, okay, what do we need? We need an e-commerce site. So that's where we brought Avin in and then it kind of went from zero to 100 quite quickly in terms of the extreme of what we were creating. Avin is very much someone who is just amazing at what he does. And instead of creating us, you know, a little website, he went and built this whole platform behind the website. And I'm like, okay, restaurants are going to need to do this. And we kind of, in a sense, were a bit naive, as I've mentioned to you, Tony. But I think it was kind of a good thing because this thing slowly started to unravel and we were already kind of too far gone (laughs) to go back and we were so excited about it as well and got so much, you know, love and support and just great a great response. But yeah, it, it kind of just unraveled. So as we went along, we started to say, okay, we need this. And we started talking to restaurants and it started changing from what we initially wanted it to be as we spoke to restaurants and started kind of like trying to onboard them, but then understanding what their pain points were and how we could make it as easy as possible. And then how it could be easy and streamlined for them even when they were to reopen. So from the get-go, we always had these thoughts in mind and tried to create something with that in the back of our mind so that when everything goes back to normal, it's really streamlined for both the customer and the restaurants. And I think a lot of, in terms of challenges and surprises, it was every day there was something and we were like, It it was kind of problems would arise and then we would try and work out, okay, how are we going to solve this? What do we need to do to prevent this happening? And what processes and systems do we need to put in place to make this easier? And so we just kept going along like that. And we're lucky that the three of us, we work really, really well together, which was by chance because it turned into a business from this idea that wasn't really set to be a business initially. And we were just We were so passionate and excited. We were working till 4am for about six months straight and just couldn't get enough. And even now we're trying to learn to have those boundaries and there's always so much that you want to do and can do, but we're starting to learn that it's okay to switch off and that way when we get back into work, we're even more energized to be able to do so much better.
0: The big part that came through to me was that it started with passion and you've been able to maintain that across the three of you. And that's got to be a very unusual thing. You have so many things you could actually choose to do. How do you go about prioritizing?
1: That has been really interesting. The three of us all love learning, listening to lots of podcasts, watching lots of online tutorials and just listening to other people in business even learning from them and meeting up with them in person and one of the things that really stuck with us was don't be distracted and that's something that there's always so many things that you can do and new ideas and something new might pop up but just really staying in our own lane and really seeing our vision through bringing it to life exactly how we want it and not being distracted by all these other things that we could jump on with unless it's going to really add value to what we're already doing. So it has been tricky because we're always full of ideas and why don't we do this? Why don't we try this? But... We all come together and we really talk about it and we've started prioritising in terms of like, how difficult is this to roll out, what benefits is it going to have, and just kind of weighing it up from a more practical point of view as well. And also yeah, always making sure it aligns with our values has been a really big one for us in prioritising and making decisions, but it's still a learning, a learning curve, I think.
0: I've got this picture, Danny, of the three perfectionists in the room, and we're ready to go. No, we're not ready to go. I'm guessing that there has, that's been a huge amount of your learning as well, knowing when to actually push into the marketplace and to get the feedback rather than turning life into a science experiment. Could you maybe share some of your experiences there?
1: That's something we're still learning. I think being a new business, because we are perfectionists and we've worked with so many businesses that are established, we know the importance of waiting until it's right before you release something. But in saying that, in the nature of how we launched and how rapid it was and crazy it was we have learned to be agile as well and do things quickly and a lot of the times we have sort of spoken about it because we're like we get really frustrated because we want it to be 100 perfect but there's some things that we can't just sit and wait until they are perfect some things we do need to test out first and then keep perfecting it as we go or push it out and then knowing that we're going to come back to that and really refine it as we go. So it's been a bit of a hard blend of the two of knowing when something's right. And sometimes it's not 100% perfect, but we still have to act on it because it might be something really important that we need to act on. But kind of having that balance, it's been very tricky. And I think it's good having the three of us because we do have really in-depth talks about all of those sorts of decisions and that's where we decide, okay, it's ready to roll out now or no, let's hold off and let's keep perfecting it.
0: You described a few moments ago there what I would paraphrase as a learning culture common across the three of you. Do you have to go through any, I suppose, wrestles amongst yourselves mentally to work out what will we learn that we don't know and what do we need to actually get somebody else to do?
1: That's another thing where it's a good blend between the two. So we all love learning and having as much of an understanding of everything as we can. But I think it's in the process of learning that we realise if it's something we need an expert to come in because, you know, sometimes, and I, I think it's great to be across lots of things you know even like SEO and things like that where we're always like delving into it ourselves and learning and reading about it and working out what we can be doing on our end to enhance it but then also getting that expert in as well to sort of really get a good grip on it because obviously you can't be on top of everything to the depth that you could if you've got experts in all the different areas so yeah I think it's just a blend of doing as much as we can and learning as much as we can but also getting those experts in to actually really take a good grip on that and handle it at a much deeper level than we would be able to because we don't have the capacity or the expertise.
0: And as time goes by, you've got less time as well. As you start to pare back those 4 a.m. finishes, you need to work out what's your key focus, I'd imagine. You spoke before about going and talking to restaurants and the like, getting that that market feedback. You've got complexity in your business on the supply and on the the sell side, and your site and the way you have it structured is a remarkable site, and there's art to it, and there's beauty. And I find it very inspirational. But as soon as you go down a little bit, that's good for me, but for you, you're needing to Work out how to bring this amazing product and produce and content through to the audience. How do you think, and I'm guessing your agency experience helps here, but how do you think through identifying your true target audience, attracting them, but then retaining them?
1: In terms, are you talking about in terms of the site itself?
0: More how you think through the site is beautiful, but underneath that, there's the work of going and finding the content, finding the produce, maintaining currency, finding the next interesting thing and balancing the other side. At some point, you've got to go and sell something as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's something that we're constantly learning and bettering. We actually just go out and ask our customers themselves what their feedback is because there's no better way. And sometimes what you know, I think is nice isn't necessarily what our customers think is nice. And also, like you said, prompting them to, it's a fine balance because we want to create that community from our site. Like I was saying earlier, we don't want it to just be an e-commerce website, but there has to be that balance of creating that community and creating that place that people can go and find all their favorite things and learn and gather together, but also purchase from all the brands as well. And that's something that we've been really delving into, especially as of late, because when we initially started Colab, because it was that sort of initiative, it was really, this looks really beautiful, let's release this. And now it's very much, okay, how do we improve this? How can we turn this into like a really great leader in the e-commerce space? And so that's something that we have been working really hard on recently as well, just kind of fleshing out that balance between the e-commerce conversions and then also that browsing of the side and building that emotional connection with our audience as well, which we do think really goes hand in hand, especially I like to build that emotional relationship with the brand before i purchase like a lot of australians do so i think yeah just finding that nice balance between the two but it's, yeah it's definitely an ongoing challenge
0: danny you've described something there that says to me there's a lot of data there now i'm guessing at the start there was a an amount of data and there's amount of knowledge experience intuition feel as you get more and more data does it diminish your preparedness to rely on intuition how do you balance those elements
1: Yeah, I think that's where I was saying that blend between focusing on what converts and then focusing on the emotional response because the emotional area of it is where we can be passionate and use our intuition and really feed off that engagement and telling those stories. But then the e-commerce conversion side is where we do have to let go, like initially when... I designed the website and Avin built it. It was, let's do this and let's do all these beautiful black lines. And Avin was like, oh my gosh, this is so difficult to build. Why are we even doing it like this? And I was like, because it has to look beautiful. And now it's very much a conversation of, no, this doesn't make sense. Like it has to be like, there's all this extra information on our product pages. How do we make that really easy for the customer? what's the customer journey look like? How can we make that easier? And it's really heavily focused on making the customer journey as easy as possible. And that's our focus front of mind now. So yeah, it definitely has taken a turn and we just let out that emotional side in different aspects of the business.
0: When you look back at the last year and knowing all that you know now, if you're starting in this moment, what's one thing that you wouldn't have done? And what's one thing that you would have done faster?
1: Oh, that's a really hard question. One thing we wouldn't have done would be I think last year we did a lot of things from that intuition. We made a lot of decisions based on that. So we would go and, you know, spend all this money filming this incredible campaign video and then say, oh, yeah, we're going to put it on TV and we're going to do this and not really map it out and think it through for a really, really long amount of time. So I think something we wouldn't have done would probably be spending money in areas where we haven't maybe gotten enough research about and and understood the best way to actually roll out in those areas is probably something. So just yeah, having more information and researching more before doing things. Something we would have done faster. I think that's a hard one because I think there are things that we could have done faster and that probably would benefit us in certain ways right now. But because we didn't do them faster, we learned so much more. So for example, like looking at investors coming on board, that's something we probably could have done faster. But I think we learned so much more because we didn't. And like, it's actually been such a huge pivotal part of our personal growth in the business and where we're leading the business now as well. So I think we try to look at all of our decisions as there was a reason why we decided that back then and we've learned so much because of it like there's always things that you can do differently but sometimes you know you won't learn what you've learned if you did do that differently back then and I think that's something we all talk about a lot and we really try to focus on the learnings of all the challenges that we have
0: brilliant answer I actually felt part of that journey with you and I could imagine being in that situation where it's a little bit back to that question before, what do you outsource? And your point is, well, we could do that. But in fact, we wouldn't be the, the co-founders we are today if we had have done that. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely, we've grown like so much in the span of, I think it's nine months now that we're coming on to. So we don't have any regrets in that sense. It's just, As long as we're learning from it, then it's a good thing. But I think if you're doing things and you haven't learned anything or grown, then, you know, that's a different story.
0: Danny, I'd like to close with a question around mentors and coaches and how you think about them, how you look for them yourself. What would be any tips and advice you would give to another startup, co-founder, innovator who might be listening now?
1: I am probably the funniest person to ask this question to you because I am very, (laughs) I've got no shame. I literally just reach out to people I admire on LinkedIn who I'm sure some of them might be listening to this and just straight out say, you know, I want to learn from you. And if you've got time, would love to catch up. And it's amazing how it's actually, yeah, it's quite overwhelming how generous people are with their time. And it's, I'm so grateful for the people that have come in to my life and been able to really give, you know, such amazing words of wisdom and people that are so far further down the line than we are and can really, give great advice and insight and in terms of finding a mentor I think I used to think of it like I need to try and find some mentor and and ask someone to be my mentor but it really is just about a casual conversation just catch up with people who's in your industry that you look up to who are people in other industries because there's so much you can learn from people in all different industries but just looking for who are those people even in your own network friends and family that you feel comfortable with asking questions and just not feeling afraid to ask them. And a lot of people love giving advice because it makes them feel like they're adding value to somebody else. So yeah, just to not, not be ashamed of it and just really put yourself out there. There's lots of people that are really, really generous and lovely.
0: That's wonderful advice. Danny, it's been my pleasure to meet you today. And thank you for taking the time to join me on the podcast. I'm excited for what you're doing. And I'd love to stay in touch and and check in.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been really awesome. So thank you. and love what you're doing as well. Keep it up.
0: What a wonderful story. And I was so pleased Danny was able to take the time to share it with us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Feedback is always appreciated. I look forward to speaking with you next time. Thanks and bye for now.